Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. We are coming on the air with exciting news at the Party of Four podcast here at Mistwood Golf Club. I'm Ben Hutchison alongside Andy Michelson. Andy, big golf news, as I said. We're talking 10-minute intervals, foursome, single rider carts, two people if they're in the same family. Things are headed the right direction. Absolutely huge news. Um, yeah, so on top of that, we've got some other things, too. Uh, you know, with, with foursomes, now families are able to ride in carts together, which is huge. That was something that we lobbied for uh, a lot uh, early on. Uh, things like our performance center are now open. Uh, so, well, they'll be open on the 29th uh, for instruction and club fitting, which is really exciting for us. It's a big piece of the Mistwood pie uh, for us. So we're really excited to get all those things going. So this is going to be uh, feeling a little bit more normal or, or a lot more normal, uh, especially in the next week. And you're a board member with the IPGA. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of work with them. Yep. been lobbying hard, working hard. A lot of people over there working hard. It's nice to see this happen because I know there's a lot of good people behind the scenes trying to make this happen for the public. Yeah, there was a lot of pushing, pulling, giving, taking uh, between us, the legislators, the governor's office, uh, every little bit. Ben, you you played a huge part in all this, you know, doing all the, the videos for us and, and things like that. It, just a lot of different different steps and different things needed to happen in order to get this done. So. It's not like somebody just flipped the switch and decided to do it, you know, the next day. This is this has been ongoing since literally March 25th, um, just to be able to get to this point. And I'm glad that we're pairing a lot of this with the phases uh, of the state. It felt like some of the stuff was disconnected from uh, the actual state phases. So, again, we're in phase three or going to be in phase three on the 29th. You know, we're already writing up plans for what does phase four look like for golf and loosening the restrictions. The goal here is not to get to a new normal. The goal here is to literally get back to normal. And I think a lot of golfers have seen the sport from a different perspective now in the last month or so. What's the feedback been like to you? I mean, it's been extremely positive. And, and I think one of the cool things, too, uh, about about golf right now is people are walking people are kind of enjoying the elements as they as they should be uh, on the golf course but we've seen a lot of positive feedback and and been very very thankful for the people that have come out to play mistwood that they are complying um, with the guidelines and and everyone's just really excited to be back on the golf course that's just the overwhelming you know effect of all of this we talked about the <laughs> physical side of it the mental health and i was talking with a member today and he said, it's been good to walk the course because you think about shots differently. You approach the game and your game differently at that point. Yeah, you see things that you wouldn't have, have normally seen when you're taking it slow and, and taking it shot by shot. It's a, it's a really good way to process around a golf. I, you know, When I'm playing competitively, I would rather be walking than, than riding in a cart just because you evaluate and you process things a little bit differently. You're not rushing up just to hit that next shot. Um, so I think people are definitely um, enjoying golf in a different way, and and this will probably encourage more people to, to walk and, and see it as valued exercise and, and valued relief, honestly, from daily stresses. And so we hit May 29th. What are you most excited for? You know, for, for me, selfishly, is just having the chance to play with my family. Um, you know, we've 
we're we're a golfing family. All four of us play, and and having the ability to do that finally uh, is going to be huge for us personally. From a uh, business standpoint here at Mistwood, I'm really excited to uh, see our teachers uh, being able to get back to get back to teaching. Uh, you know the things that they love to do, and our fitters get back to fitting. Um, you know, I, I I know that probably for the last couple of months here, they felt like they really didn't have a place, and you know they've they've been awesome. You know, helping with you know, starting and maintenance and things like that. But you know, getting them back into their true element, um, what defines Mistwood and sets us apart is is the performance center operation. So it'd be good to get those guys back. So with teaching and instruction and club fittings here at Mistwood, how will that work with social distancing? You know, we'll. St- we still are taking into account all of the social distancing factors as, as well as uh, making sure that everything is sanitized. So, for instance, uh, in our, our fitting department, we're already putting together sanitation plans for uh, how we're going to treat the, the shared equipment between the, the player and the um, fitter. And then also on the on the teaching and fitting side, you know, we're, we're making considerations if there's uh, teachings or fittings where we might get inside of that social distance boundary of six feet you know, you might see an instructor in a mask. You might see a fitter in a mask. You know, don't don't be too alarmed by that, but we're just making sure that we're uh, properly following all the social distancing guidelines. And as far as the range, we already space people far apart. Yeah, and and so it's it's kind of weird because we're, we're kind of already prepared for it. Um, we've always had our, our golf balls to where it's, it's not a shared thing. They're in pyramids, and those will be spaced out every 10 feet. The one change to some of our stations would be um, taking out some of the shared equipment. Uh, things like bag stands will come out, uh, which will give you room to put your, your bag in place. But uh, any type of shared equipment's uh, going to be discouraged. And fortunately for us, we're, we're in a spot where we were kind of already doing a lot of these things. I haven't gotten out to hit golf balls this year at Mistwood. I know that's bad. You I played my first course. nine holes last night. it's like you work at a golf course people assume you golf all the time but one plus if there has to be one plus out there for what's transpired as far as golf courses go the course is in amazing shape right now yeah it's an it's an absolutely perfect shape i the greens last night were like it was like putting during a member guest they were absolutely perfect just pristine um and you know i don't think the conditioning is going to go go away when you talk about people that have been walking I think that a golf course a lot of the time is maintained better by people that walk because they're entering the greens from the front of the greens, and they tend to fix more ball marks as they're um, approaching their ball on the green. So I think that people will, will take note of that um, for sure, and, and hopefully these, these great conditions that we're seeing not only here but everywhere else continue. Shout out to our superintendent, Ben Kelnoffer, yeah. and his crew. And then also we have a lot of really good responsible golfers, like you said, that might go out of the way to just – replace a divot or fill something in just because they do care about the game and they want to enjoy their time out here and make it look as good as possible on their end. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that our, our, our membership in particular really takes ownership in the golf course. They, they're making sure to uh, take all the proper steps, you know, any, any divots or ball marks uh, that are made, they're definitely taking care of them. So you're obviously connected in the golf world, especially here in Illinois. What's the conversations been like? with other golf pros or directors of golf out there? The engagement that we've had probably in the last two months is really unprecedented. Uh, every single week there's been at least two calls between um, public courses around the state 
uh, and in general, all courses around the state. We, we've had those multiple times during the week, and it's a sharing of best practices. It's 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 been incredible. It's shaped a lot of the policy that's going to be going into place or has been put in place at a lot of these courses, and those have been happening since basically the uh, the middle of March. And, and those, you know, things things that have come out in the guidelines were things that were shaped in those meetings. And so I um, was just really proud to be a part of it, and I'm, I'm glad to see that so many courses have also um, been able to jump on board and, and follow the rules and follow the guidelines. You know, that was always the worry in place was we could put these out there and then, you know, then the golfing public doesn't respond to it. But um, I think because of the way that each of the professional has handled each of their golf courses is the reason why this has been so successful is because t- uh, expectations were put out there in the proper way of how golfers will be let back onto the golf course and such. And if it wasn't done that way, and if it was just a general message from let's say the Illinois PGA or the CDGA and not treated on a, on a course by course basis by their professional in the right way, I think it would have been a disaster. So uh, I'm really proud of the fellow professionals in the state and, and um, helping in getting uh, golf again, closer and closer and closer back to normal. From the public perspective, I think there's a lot of competition in businesses. Golf courses are no different, but I think without working together on this one and trying to get the regulations and guidelines loosened, we wouldn't have what we have now on May 29th. Absolutely. That the number one goal was to make ensure customer safety and then number two was how do we handle this pent-up demand? by the Illinois golfer. I mean, Illinois is one of the most passionate golf states, and we wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page and how we were going to treat this. Because if we were all not on the same page, it would have been a complete disaster coming right out of the gate. So what's next here at Mistwood? I know we'll be opening up the tee sheet and looking forward to seeing more golfers out here. Yeah, we'll be opening the tee sheet to the public in the next uh, 24 hours here, um, allowing the public to book. We're going to go back to our normal booking times, which is 14 days in advance for our members and 10 days in advance for our, our public. So, again, one of those steps getting back to normal. And just excited to see foursomes, excited to see more golfers on the property, and it's going to be on us, and, and we are definitely more than prepared to make sure that everyone is safe on the property and, and social distancing properly. But we know – we know that golf is extremely safe uh, as is, and we're taking all the proper precautions. Let's talk big picture golf now. We had a live event last weekend. We had Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, and Matthew Wolf, which I must say I feel bad for him because he took a lot of flack on social media. Why is he with all of these top-tier golfers? But he's 21. He's an NCAA champion. He just hasn't had time. He's a huge baller. He's a baller. Second, what, second hole, he hit the ball 356 off the tee. Like, if you're around golf, you know who Matt Wolf is. You know you know he belongs in that company, and you know it's only a matter of time till he's winning some big-time stuff. And it was a huge opportunity for Taylor yeah. Made to put their guy out there. That was genius. Oh, it's, it's absolute genius. I mean, he is, if golf has a freak show, he is the golf freak show right now. So he's a perfect guy to, to put out there, and, and underneath their, their brand stamp, they, they loved it. It was perfect. And honestly, what's so cool about Matt Wolf's swing is the fact that he now is helping people educate on shallowing the club. He's helping in educate on how the center of mass of a of a golf club and of a club head moves throughout the swing the most efficiently. His action looks funky, but I'll tell you what, it's one of the best 
when you look at it from a, um, a physics and a physical standpoint of the golf swing. You read my mind because I wanted to ask you about that. You look at his swing. He winds up front heel, lifts it up kind of like a baseball, loading it up type thing. He turns his hips and shoulders. He goes way over the top. Then he shallows out insanely quickly. Mm-hmm. And his club speed must be just out of this world. Well, think, yeah, I mean, think of kind of a whip. How would you, how would you whip something? It would be the fastest from here. So the fact that he's going up and then shallowing, he's creating all this energy right here and throwing that whip down through the clubhead area faster than literally almost everyone on tour. His his clubhead speed's 125. That's probably amongst amongst the top five or six on tour. So what he's doing and what he's able to accomplish, you know, I don't know the long-term effects. I just know right now it's pretty darn good. And I think 11th hole it was a 368-yard drive, 11 or 12. So – uh, the distance is there. That's not a problem. Right. Absolutely. It, it, honestly, all four of those guys do an incredible job of showing the club and getting the center mass loaded behind them and able to, to throw it. But, yeah, Matt Wolf's uh, feature is definitely unique. The one thing I really, really enjoyed, and I threw this out there on social media, I loved how rusty they looked. Like I am so – I'm, I'm going to speak on behalf as a PSA for the golf professionals out there. What you see on Sunday is not the real tour players. <laughs> what you see on Sunday is their best week of maybe three weeks out of the year. That is not how real tour players hit it. I mean, Dustin Johnson might have broke 80. I'm not sure. We're still counting up the shots. Because he hit it in the water, what, two or three times during that whole round? Yeah. He hits a horrible drive on two. He necks a drive on 15 in the water. I mean, I loved watching that because it makes people at home. And actually, people at home should have got a lot out of that. It makes people at home go, hmm, you know what? Even he needs a practice. Even he's a little bit rusty. I mean, I, I played yesterday. I'm beating myself up. I hit a ball in two weeks, and I'm beating myself up over the way I hit it. It's like you can't do that. Like you're improperly setting expectations every single time you go out. So. It, it was funny and awesome hearing him say, I don't know when the last time was that I carried a bag. And I think one thing it really proved, which we've been a huge advocate for, is socially distancing during golf, and we've done a good job putting that out oh, there. Yeah. They, they did a – it was a clinic. It was yeah. easy, and they weren't even trying. It's just so much space out there. And to see those four guys carrying their own bags, being their own caddy, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. I mean, it looked just like a Sunday foursome at your local course. And the other cool part about it, obviously, is is how the event was run and how, you know, how it was able to, to raise money. Um, that's the one thing that's so cool, I think, about tour golf is – when you look at the purses, at least half the purses always are going to a charity. No other sport sniffs what golf does um, as far as on the charitable donation side. So it was really cool to kind of see people wanting up, one-upping each other as the broadcast went on. Um, and was a total of over $4 million got raised. Yeah, I was looking at that. Pretty darn good. $5.5 million wow. for COVID-19 relief. Wow. And some chirping along the way, and hey, I got this money. What I make twenty five million in the FedEx? Like you know, there was some nice little <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, jabs. There's little jabs. I, you know, you're always expecting more. You're always hoping for more out of that. I think even uh, the match last year between Tiger and and Phil, we were expecting more uh, jabs back and forth. But these guys are taking it serious. It was funny what Rory said. Um, he goes, you know, it's a lot more pressure trying to make a putt when it's somebody else's money. It's not like it's for him. It's for it's to help the charities that they designated at the start of the round. So uh, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting, but it's tough format. I mean, 
you're making putts for 600 grand. That's that's a whole new ball of wax. It's like Michael Jordan type stuff out there. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> One debate I did want to touch on. They were all wearing shorts. I know at the PGA Tour, they loosened their restrictions a couple of years ago. Pros can wear shorts during the practice rounds. They were all wearing shorts. As a pro, what do you think about shorts during competition? Uh, as Jay Cutler would say, don't care. <laughs> they should absolutely be allowed to wear shorts. They need some sun on those legs, too, a little bit, but they should absolutely be able to wear shorts. My enjoyment of them playing golf has zero to do with shorts. Zero to do with shorts. And it doesn't, you know, cut down on their professionalism or anything like that. That was always the, the thing in the past. Um, you know, it's we're still supposed to wear pants and things like that, but Honestly, to see, see them in shorts on TV, that's that's not a big deal. I think they actually relate more to the average Joe if they do stuff like that. And let's talk about match number two. We have Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. That's happening on Sunday. Your thoughts? Oh, I'm, I'm putting Phil and Tom Brady as heavy favorites based on what I've seen with Peyton Manning's golf swing. I haven't seen either of their golf swings, so I don't know. Are we? Is it a best ball format? Or I have no idea. I just want to know what you think about it as a whole. <laughs> I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, maybe a missed opportunity. I, I think in both of these charity um, events, I think there's a small missed opportunity uh, with not including a woman in them. I, I think that you know having both these events and not having you know some type of, of female presence, I think, is a little bit of a mistake. Um, but but definitely excited for uh, for the match. Um, it's always interesting to see these athletes when they're on a field that is not their own field because uh, they definitely kind of bow down to the uh, difficulty of golf, that's for sure. I like the lightened-up atmosphere, seeing Tiger joking around and them getting at each other, a little bit like the uh, the match last weekend. But I just think it's nice to see them not feeling the pressure of a championship, having those looser conversations. I think that's valuable because, again, it relates to the average Joe golfer and everything like that. Yeah, I think the the biggest benefit that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning I think will add to this whole thing is they're going to add that element of spice to to this. And then also, you know, Phil and Tiger played last year in the match, and they heard the criticism and some of the feedback. Oh, you guys didn't talk enough and stuff like that. So they're going to yuck it up. It's going to be a, a fun production. I heard Charles Barkley is going to hop in for a hole um, and stuff like that. So it, it should be should be a good watch. Should be a fun watch. Well, as far it. as coverage goes, Amanda Balionis, Charles Barkley, I think Trevor Immelman is going to be there. And then also the one I'm most intrigued about is Justin Thomas because he's a great follow on social media. Mm. He's got that young, youthful star. I think he's number four in the world right now. So I think he might blast him a little bit or give a little bit. He's going to be an on-course analyst. Yeah, Tiger's like uh, – or Justin Thomas is in Tiger's small little circle of friends. You know, when, when Tiger's playing practice rounds, he only plays with certain guys. He only plays with a few guys. He's latched on to Justin Thomas like right away. So Justin probably knows some inside baseball, knows how to kind of get in Tiger's grill a little bit. Um, so it, it should be fun to hear some of the commentary coming from Justin Thomas. So that's really exciting. I know I'm going to tune into that. For us, it really is back to business. We mentioned club fittings earlier on in this episode, and we actually had a conversation with performance specialist Eric Russell. I know they are getting excited to get people fit with the perfect club. How was it this winter with the fittings and operations over there at the Dome? Fittings were great here at uh, Mr. Golf Dome over the wintertime. So, uh, very busy 
a lot of traffic was coming through for um, not only the dome itself, but uh, people that were looking to obviously get fit um, with their current equipment, but also looking to see if they can upgrade into the newest equipment that's out. So usually the wintertime, roughly about end of January, early February, is when a lot of the new product launches and comes out. Um, and the really cool thing we got to do is go down to uh, Orlando in the wintertime uh, to the PGA Merchandise Show and uh, get a chance to get a hands-on approach and check out all the new equipment uh, down there and talk to the industry leaders and uh, kind of give us the info of, you know, why they designed it the way they did and how it works and, you know, better ways for uh, uh, for us to get it into the uh, golfer's hands. Eric, I would say probably the most common misconception is that the uh, higher handicap players um, – aren't good enough to get uh, fit for golf clubs. What's your opinion on that? That's a question we get asked all the time, and that is one that is furthest from the truth, that everyone, anyone and everyone can always get fit for clubs. Um, we have some of the most elite players come through us and, and get fit, and they're always trying to get better. Um, and then also the high handicappers that, you know, want to are struggling with their equipment, and they want to see something with better dispersion, maybe not just sheer distance, but something that they can um, be more relying on and, and hit that seven iron 150 yards um, each and every time or um, a driver that can consistently find the fairway for them. So, yeah, it might not always be the distance uh, category that everyone's always looking for. It's something that's just going to have them play uh, um, easier golf for them. As much as I would say I'm a natural athlete, I probably fall into that 12 to 14 handicap range. I know I got fitted last year, and I did see those instant results. I don't want to use myself just as an example, but I feel like it is pertinent to those 12 to 14 handicappers because I believe I took three to four strokes off my game, which is huge in the game of golf, Eric. Yeah, and, and another aspect that a lot of people don't look at as well, too, that we uh, weigh heavily on during the fitting is we want to make sure you have the right amount of gapping uh, between your sets. So sometimes... Uh, players will have a pitching wedge that's 45 degrees, and then the next club they have in their bag is a 56-degree wedge. So there's 11 degrees of difference there that where maybe a uh, approach wedge or a gap wedge in between there will hugely help out their game. So they're not trying to um, swing really hard on a 56 to try and muscle it to 125 yards or so whereas they could back off a little more and uh, swing a little easier with a 50-degree wedge uh, to get to those certain distances. So that's something we always uh, weigh heavily on and look into um, during the fitting. Well, some of the, um, you know, on, on top of just sheer distance, you know, always looking to, you know, gain, squeeze out those few yards here and there. What are some of the aspects in a fitting that, you know, kind of for the novice um, person or first-time person getting a fitting, what are some of the things that, that you guys focus on uh, when, when giving a fitting? Yeah, great question uh, there, Andy. Uh, one thing a lot of people do is they come in and they will always ask me, um, you know, what club head speed should I have? And that's where we have to inform the, the client that, you know, everyone's always going to have a different swing speed. So we're going to try and maximize um, your swing speed with the proper shaft and the proper head um, to hopefully capitalize on giving you the best uh, efficiency with that club that's in your hand. So those aspects will be, yeah, we will take a look at swing speed. That's one factor, but also 
um, how does the person approach hitting the golf ball? Are they hitting down on the golf ball? Are they hitting up on the golf ball? Uh, do, does their club head path come in to out or out to in? And um, another thing is the amount of spin rate that's coming off of the club head too um, will help uh, determine, you know, not only loft, um, but also the type of shaft that we're going to fit that person into. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different aspects we'll look into. And again, it doesn't always fit on a chart that's perfect for every single one that we can fit somebody into. That's where the, you know, the best option really is just coming in and, and swinging the clubs itself and us looking at the monitors and, and uh, going from there. Well, when somebody's getting a fitting at Mr. What are, um, what are some of the brands that we're fitting players into? Yeah, so we do carry a wide variety of brands that we'll offer. You know, again, from the driver to fairy woods, um, hybrids, irons, wedges, and putter. Um, so, yeah, the ones that we carry are Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, uh, Mizuno, uh, Cleveland, and Shrixon, uh, Cobra, and also PXG. So all those brands have been doing really well for us, uh, not only uh, within the past year, but also this past winter um, as well. How different or is it different for you to do these fittings outside at Mistwood in the open air? Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a great um, aspect to, to see a full ball flight uh, for the client. You know, it gives them a sense of, you know, not only do they feel as though that the shot's going a little bit right or left, but then they do see the actual landing um, of the flight. So it's really a um, kind of a sensation or a feel to the client that, really comes back to them that they understand and um, can read off of um, seeing the actual ball play as opposed to just kind of seeing it on a digital screen. Um, so that instant feedback um, also wins them over with, you know, the type of club that they are fit into. Eric Russell, performance specialist, along with Chris Iriani at Misswood Golf Club. Look forward to seeing you out there soon, buddy. Perfect. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. And our thanks to Eric Russell for taking the time to do that. We know a lot of people are excited, itching to get back out here. They want to get fitted. They want to get lessons. They just want to play a round of golf with three of their friends, and it's going to happen. That's right, baby. Foursome's coming. Really good to get back in the seat with you, too. I miss talking with you. I miss talking golf. We're going to do this sooner than later, and we appreciate everyone tuning in, and we will see you next time. Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.